0: In her poem, Lead, which has become a sacred text to me, the poet Mary Oliver begins by saying this. Here is a story to break your heart. Are you willing? This winter, the loons came to our harbor and died one by one of nothing we could see. A friend told me of one on the shore that lifted its head and opened the elegant beak and cried out in the long, sweet savoring of its life, which, if you have heard it, you know is a sacred thing, and for which, if you had not heard, have not heard it, you had better hurry to where they still sing. And believe me, tell no one where that is. The next morning, this loon, speckled and iridescent, with a plan to fly home to some Hidden Lake, was dead on the shore. I tell you this to break your heart. The world breaks us apart. Sometimes the heartbreak comes from something outside anyone's control. Accident, illness, disease. Sometimes it's mysterious, like the loons dying for no apparent reason. Too many of us have known moments of deep despair, pain, isolation, heartbreak from things outside anyone's control. Sometimes the heartbreak is more about emotions or intellect than bodily. Sometimes our religion of our origin breaks our hearts, not able to accept our questions or our identity, preaching hate or hell at us. Sometimes it's not a religion that we're at odds with so much as the entire culture itself. And this is where Unitarian Universalists as a whole often find heartbreak over and over again. Unitarian Universalists are people who find themselves often at odds with popular culture. A culture where politicians spew hatred for immigrants and Muslims and women, and then they are said to be bold, said to be saying the things that nobody else will say. A culture that worships guns more than education. A culture that continues to destroy our environment. One of the examples of the way that our faith's heart is broken is about the violence against people of color, often at times, at times at the hands of law enforcement, seemingly supported and sanctified by our government and our institutions. The families of Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown and Tamir Rice and Sandra Bland and Philando Castile and Freddie Gray and so many others up to this day know what it means to have their hearts broken and our hearts break with them. As we continue to fight for black lives to insist that they matter and that this epidemic of violence be stopped, the heartbreak of the world can be crushing upon us. The heartbreak comes also from the treatment of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender siblings and the treatment they receive sometimes from loved ones, from family, from religions, from our government. In in particular, our transgender siblings face an epidemic of violence in this world. And 2017 was one of the deadliest years on record for transgender people. 2018 has already seen the deaths of at least six transgender people in acts of violence. Sometimes we know this heartbreak because of the terror of gun violence in a country that seems to care more about access to any and all weapons more than the lives that are taken. A few years ago, a couple of years ago, in December of 2015, I went through a dark night of the soul. My own personal heartbreak about the shootings in the world became intense, and I wasn't sure why at first that I was going through this heartbreak at this time in particular The San Bernardino shooting had just happened, and it was the biggest mass shooting since another December killing that won in the elementary school in Newtown in Connecticut. And we learned at that point that there had been more mass shootings than days in 2015. Things were so bad, so overwhelmingly awful, that in that December the New York Times editorial board published a first front-page editorial since the 1920s saying this, It is a moral outrage and a national disgrace that civilians can legally purchase weapons designed specifically to kill people with brutal speed and efficiency. These are weapons of war, barely modified, and deliberately marketed as tools of macho vigilantism and even insurrection. This was a major shooting in San Bernardino, but I was so much less connected to that one at a government resource center than I had been to, any, to many others, particularly ones in schools. So I wondered, why was it affecting me so strongly? Why was this heartbreak so strong? And I thought, when did my own fear start? Was it when the Tennessee Valley UU Church was held in terror in 2006, And I knew it could have been me, could have been our church? Was it the 2011 shooting of Gabby Giffords, thinking about all the times I've stood with politicians on a street corner? Was it in Newtown, Connecticut in 2012 when it could have been my child's elementary school? Was it the Oregon Community College shooting that past October that made me think of the community college where my husband works? Was it the shots into the protesters in Minneapolis the month before in November, knowing how often I too had been at such protests? When did I start to become someone who always thought about where the exits are? Here in Kalamazoo, you too know this kind of pain that the community and individuals in it experience after the sudden effects of violence after a mass shooting. And as I tried to think about Christmas and I tried to focus on writing my sermon that was on the theme of expectation and magic, I realized that that day was the very day, the second anniversary of the day when when a former member of the congregation I serve, Chris Keith, and her 14-year-old son, Isaac Miller, had been brutally murdered in an act of domestic violence. And we know that domestic violence is connected Deeply connected to those mass murders. And inside my soul, I was making that connection between domestic violence against someone I knew personally and this mass murder all the way across the country. I was connected to it by heartstrings. And I knew where my sorrow was coming from, and my heart broke open again. The grief all mingles together to form the aching heartbreak of our isolation from this destructive and violent society. Yes, sometimes the heartbreak of the world comes from death and violence and despair, and there are many tragic heartbreaks and moments of deep despair and death that never make the news. Like the people I knew who will never start a movement, we live lives of quiet desperation, to borrow Thoreau's words. And so... And so we come, we come cut and bruised from the violence and hatred of the world, and we come seeking religious community, a place of healing, a place of hope, a sanctuary. We come looking for a world and a future that's not based in dread and fear, isn't thinking about guns and slaughter, isn't thinking about the nearest exit and the escape plan. When the world cracks us open, we need the healing of community, the nurturing sanctuary of the spirit, the balm of Gilead. We come to Unitarian Universalism. We come to spiritual fellowship to heal from the heartbreak of the world. And our faith has something important that it's teaching us about heartbreak. Our faith response to that shooting at the Tennessee Valley UU Church was to start a movement called Standing on the Side of Love, which we now call Side with Love for accessibility reasons. Because this, love and hope are the only answer in the end. Which is not to say I don't mean also gun reform. Yes, gun reform. But the spiritual answer, the answer to the dread and fear in our hearts, it is the love and the hope and the peace. Amazing peace. One person who knows how to heal in religious community from the heartbreak of the world is Taryn Dixon. Taryn was a child at the Tennessee Valley UU Church when the shooting happened there. She was 10 feet away. Taryn writes this, ''All I can fathom is that these things don't happen for a reason. There is no good explanation. All you can do is just give love and move forward. Somehow, I have come up with more love than I know what to do with,'' she writes. ''I feel so much more deeply now because I've had to rebuild myself, picking up pieces of my heart and finding ways to move move forward with relative comfort.'' I now give love so freely, she writes, in hopes that I will help someone else in the world stir up the courage to push past ignorance and come out of the shadows. Here, we bind up our wounds in community so that we know the world goes on. And just as we bind our wounds here from these larger incidents of violence, so too many who have been hurt by this world have found a faith home with us. Our gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender siblings who are told that some God, some God who was defined too narrowly, didn't love them. Here they find a God of universal love. Our scientists and humanists and atheists who are told that their questions were their damnation. Here they find a community embracing of questioning where we believe that science and faith are partners, not opposites. Every geek and nerd and weirdo and here I use those terms that were used against me. Well, here we find our beloved community, where people are understanding and understand what I mean if I say that I see religious significance in Doctor Who or Star Wars. Well, maybe some of you don't understand what I mean when I say that. <laughs> but you honor it and you respect it. Amen. It's an important feature of this church to heal, to provide sanctuary, to care for each other. Many of our mission statements speak to this need. My church's mission statement speaks of loving fellowship and spiritual nourishment. Your church's mission statement says People's Church is a welcoming religious community, drawing on wisdom and inspiration from many sources to discover and live out our highest values. Sometimes churches get stuck here in the healing mode because there's so much healing that is needed. And it's a worthwhile place to be. And it's the work that the church always needs to be doing. But here's the thing. The work of the church is bigger than providing pastoral care to our members, although we will always need to do that. It is bigger than the healing of anyone's soul. Mary Oliver says this in her poem, led after recounting the story of the dying loons, she says... I tell you this to break your heart, by which I mean only that it break open and never close again to the rest of the world. We come here to our religious sanctuary, but that sanctuary has another larger purpose beyond healing our hurts from the hurts of the world. Its purpose is to send us back out so that we can get cracked open again and again. We are readied here for the next heartbreak. And to face that next heartbreak, we need to be fortified by our religious community, seeped in its nourishment, and going back out into the world together, knowing we have our faith, our beloved community with us as we face the next heartbreak. You see, just like with human relationships, after each heartbreak, we have to open ourselves up to love again. We all know people, perhaps, who after a heartbreak shut themselves off from the world or shut themselves off from love and never really loved again. But to love is to experience heartbreak. And so it is with the heartbreak from the violent world. We have to bind ourselves up and stand up or sit up or go out in love again. We have to answer the call of love, as our song that we'll sing for closing says, because it's only through loving again through going back into the world that we can make it a better place for the next person and the next so we have to open our heart to love to this agape love and go out into the world once again looking back at our mission statements and vision statements they too tell us that after the sanctuary after the spiritual nourishment after the beloved community is found in here we take that beloved community back out there and we build the world again the mission statement of the congregation I serve speaks of a commitment to social justice, and your church says these things in its vision statement. In the Kalamazoo community, we are recognized as a home for religious values, including freedom of thought, fairness, inclusion, and environmental responsibility. Our congregation embraces diversity. We live courageously in right relationships, to in right relations to develop meaningful relationships. And then later it says. We have a positive impact on targeted social justice issues. This community knows us for how we live our values. Of any UU church I've known, I think this is so true, more true maybe for Kalamazoo than anywhere else, where your relationship goes back to your early female minister and her commitment to living those justice values out in the world and all the things that she did. It's why you are the people's church. This works takes perseverance. It takes persistence. Resistance is not a one-time march with a pink hat on, although that was good. It is marching again and again and again and again until there is a flower down the barrel of every gun. But fortunately, in our faith, we have models and stories that tell us this. We remember the decades-long fight for abolition that our Unitarian and Universalist forefathers and foremothers of yore engaged in, such as Frederick Douglass and Theodore Parker and your own, who was it? Caroline Bartlett-Crane, right. We know the stories of suffrage of our ancestors, Susan B. Anthony and Lucy Stone and Olympia Brown and Caroline Bartlett-Crane engaged in, and how the first of the suffragists died before we finally got the vote for women. In our faith, we know what it is to fight from coast to coast for LGBT rights and marriage equality. From when the first states like Massachusetts on the coast declared it to when they finally had a whole block of states that had marriage equality to when our state finally fought it through the Supreme Court and we had marriage equality across the land. In my home community over there in Jackson, we finally just finished a 20-year fight that my church and other progressive communities were engaged in to get a non-discrimination ordinance protecting LGBT people in employment, housing, and public accommodations. I think you have one of those here. Yeah. Since we don't have it at a state level, individual communities like yours and ours have worked to pass them as communities so that we have 30-some across the state And we had fought for that for 20 years in Jackson, 20 years of fighting until only last year in a city council meeting with over five hours of citizen testimony. We finally got those basic protections for LGBT people. And the fight didn't end there. They tried to repeal it, and we fought the repeal in court and won. They tried to recall the city council member who was leading the effort, and we voted to make him mayor. (laughs) Yes, we did. And Jackson is a safer home for LGBT people at last. So no, we Unitarian Universalists know that when it comes to justice, it may not be easy, but we will not give up. And the same is true on gun control now. We've been fighting for this for years, and this is now a moment where it feels like the tide is turning. And we, even if it hasn't, though, we've seen how much potential for change there is in this amazing cross-country activism of our youth. But even if it doesn't change now, we will not give up. And what I want to tell you today is that when you do this work, you do not do it alone. When you are called to face this next heartbreak, you have your religious community with you, and you have the progressive communities of Kalamazoo with you, and you have the larger movement. You are connected by heartstrings to us over there in Jackson, to the UUs up in Lansing, Chicago, Detroit. You know, all the, our region goes down to St. Louis and Louisville, and out to Minneapolis and Kansas City. And in the face of heartbreak, we also have agape love. As the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. said, agape is not a weak, passive love. It is love in action. He said, agape is love seeking to preserve and create community. It is insistence on community, even when one seeks to break it. In the final analysis, agape means the recognition of the fact that all life Is interrelated all humanity is involved in a single process when i was in that dark night of the soul about the violence in the world that had affected my own community i did something that sounds trivial but it was actually powerful i opened facebook and what i saw there was a powerful testimony to our movement's interconnectedness because G. Ronsky Riley, who is the child of UU Minister Meg Riley, had been holding hands with Black Lives Matters protesters in Minneapolis, and the person to G's left and the person to G's right were both shot. And Meg posted, as she was reeling with this news about her beloved child's endangerment, that G had gotten a note from Chris Buse. And Chris Buse was the minister of the Tennessee Valley UU Church in Knoxville, where the shooting had happened many years before. And Chris Buse wrote this to G. G., we send love and courage as you stand for justice, heal from trauma, and help lead the way. We live by faith, not fear. Keep the faith. When I saw those words on Facebook, I too remembered that we keep the faith by leading the way through this hurting and broken world. We keep the faith by joining together, bending that arc of the universe towards love and justice, and opening our hearts again to the side of love. The magic and the miracle of this faith, this Unitarian Universalism thing that I love and you love, is that it calls us to repair the world. It promises us that there is goodness. It promises us that peace is possible. It promises us that even if it takes decades like suffrage did, the arc of the universe does bend towards justice. It calls us to open our hearts again and again in the face of loss and pain and suffering and turmoil. It calls us to put that rose down the barrel of the gun. It calls us to remember the imperfect, the possible, the whole the impossible, and to strive towards it once again. I tell you all of this to break your heart, but only so that it open and never close again to the rest of the world. Our faith calls us to keep our hearts open, build the beloved community, create the new tomorrow, and bend the ark towards justice. Our faith calls us to open ourselves to heartbreak so that we can love the world anew. May it be so.